When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and as always, it feels great to be back behind a mic for another episode. This is show number 446, and I'm excited to talk more Bears football with you. Now, this week, we are kicking off our annual State of the Franchise series, where we take a deep dive into each phase of the game and lay out the blueprint for the offseason by determining the biggest area of needs and, of course, a whole lot more. So if you tuned in to our last episode, to our Senior Bowl report, or if you just read the episode title, I guess, you already know that today's episode is going to be keeping a micro focus on that Chicago Bears defense. To help me break down Chuck Pagano's unit, I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, I want to congratulate you. Uh, you had a post that came out last week about some of the changes that the Bears have made in terms of moving training camp, in terms of raising their season ticket prices, and your column was pretty much, well, obviously the Bears must not care about their fans. Instead, it's more about that almighty dollar. But congratulations, because that post, it reached over 20,000 views and became our most viewed blog post in our history. So congratulations, sir. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't expect for that kind of traction to happen with that article. But like we were saying before we went live, it kind of brought both sides of the equation to the forefront. You know, people agreeing with me, some people not. So it got a lot of talking points, but I'm glad that it you know did well amongst our fans. And if you haven't read about the Tariq Cohen article that I just wrote uh, this past couple of days and also got to talk to Trey Roberson's defensive backs coach and ex-teammate, go ahead and look that up on the Chicago Audible. They're all there. And yeah. Yeah, chicagoaudible.com. You'll find all of Nick's stories. And if you're going directly, chicagoaudible.com slash blog. It'll take you right to all of our articles as well. And Nick, your professor may hate me, but I just want to verify. Did that just take care of your obligation? What was that, Will? Hey, we kind of lost connection there. Sorry about that. Wow. Skype is not playing nice for us this afternoon. We'll see. No, I said it's not. Did that take care of your professor's obligation for you on the podcast? I want to make sure you get 
your credit. So don't worry. I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I think he's going to listen to each one of the submissions. So I think, you know, announcing my name, uh, introducing ourselves and seeing where you can find my content, I think that fulfills the, you know, the criteria of what we're looking for in this podcast assignment. Maybe I get extra credit because I announce your name every episode. Yeah. So, I mean, if we could give you extra credit there, Will, I'm... I will find a way to do that. <laughs> I guess credit in general would be nice, but I'm not a grad student unlike you. I guess I'm not as cool. But you excited to jump in and talk about this Bears defense? I know we were scheduled to talk about this a week ago, but just due to some issues on my end, I was unable to get that done. But are you excited? It was long overdue to kind of get back behind the mic and uh, to talk this Bears defense, which seemed like an easy task, but the deeper I dove into it, the more interesting things kind of got. Are you in the same boat? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not being able to do the episode last week just made me want to do it more this week. I was just waiting for Thursday to come along. I know our fans were waiting for it, too. Actually, when I came from the flight from Cancun to Houston then Houston to Chicago, ran to one of our fans on the flight, and um, which was pretty cool. But, yeah, they're just eager for con- – I actually got a, someone Instagram uh, messaged me like, hey, I didn't see the, the episode. I just want to make sure that there's one out there. Explain to the fan. But, yeah, I'm ready to get back and talk about Bears football. All right, so here's a quick reminder for those listening of what's in store for you today. We're going to break down each position. Again, today's focus is going to be on that Bears defense, and we're going to explain the current state of each position and much more, including a level of need at each. Uh, We'll even play our game to determine uh, which upcoming in-house free agent should receive a new contract in Chicago or be shown the door. So in short, we're just going to analyze each position, explain where they currently stand, and really where the Bears need and how they can get better next season. So it's time. Let's go ahead and take a hard look at that Bears defense that, despite injuries to key positions, still ranked well across the board as the unit finished 2019 Ninth in yards per game allowed, fourth in points per game allowed, eighth against the pass, ninth against the rush. They were the seventh best third down defense, and they were 13th in red zone efficiency overall. Despite those injuries, this Bears team on defense were still able to finish in the top 10, mostly for all those uh, most important statistical categories. But Nick, before we jump into each specific position, I think I saw you writing in a shared document of ours that you have some big picture items that you believe the Bears were either really good at a defense or some areas of improvement. So before we get into the micro, I did want to hand it over to you for the macro level. What did the Bears do right on defense? Where can they improve? And of course, we'll take it a step further here in just a moment. Yeah, so kind of looking at, you know, just some of the areas where this defense excelled in 2019, they were a really good team against the pass. I mean, finishing they finished the regular season eighth versus the pass, and according to opponent passer rating, and the Bears held opposing quarterbacks to an average rating of 85.2. But I'm also going to take this and put it the other direction here, Will, because, yes, they did a good job, finished eighth in the pass for in terms of opponent passer rating, But you also got to take into account the quarterbacks that the Bears did face this season. So I'm going to go through the list and tell you which ones they actually beat. So they faced Aaron Rodgers twice, Joe Flacco, Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Jeff Driscoll and David Blau, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, and Sean Mannion, the backup quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Right. The guys that they beat. They only beat Joe Flacco, Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins, Kirk Cousins, Jeff Driscoll and David Blau, Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott, and then Sean Mannion. 
So the best, the better quarterbacks they couldn't beat. And again, you, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But does that passer rating or the opponent passer rating versus a pass a little bit skewed because of the opponents they face? So it's a good statistic that the Bears are able to take care of business against some of the bad quarterbacks. But you also look in the other end, they couldn't beat the good ones. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's interesting that you bring that up. We're not talking about the offense today whatsoever, but I would almost say it's a lack of the Bears offense being able to keep up with some of those more productive quarterbacks. Uh, so that's where I would say, because I mean, still when you're looking across the board, the Bears defense, like I mentioned, ranked well as a whole for the entire season. But there is, it's interesting that you say that, but even though we're not talking about the offense this week, I almost still want to put the blame on over there. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's definitely acceptable to do so. But another thing to look at in the positive aspect, just a positive part for this Bears defense, I was looking at terms of the second-half scoring for this defense because at times the Bears defense would give up leads. Well, in the third quarter, the Bears defense actually finished first in the NFL in giving up only 2.8 points per game. So that's an area where they excelled. That was even better than 2018's defense where they gave up 4.3 points per game. So that's an area where if you're the Bears defense looking at 2019, maybe didn't have the turnovers or the, the sacks and things like that, you could look at how they started the second half. They started the second half of that third quarter and say 2.8 points per game. That's one given your offense, which was very limited, an opportunity to score points and also limit the opponent from actually producing points. So that was another area of this Bears defense that excelled in 2019. Anything else from the macro level that you wanted to kind of hit on when it comes to this Bears defense? You know, another thing, they didn't allow the big play to happen. Um, through week 15, just looking at the stats, uh, this is excluding the games versus Chiefs and Vikings, the Bears defense gave up 53 explosive plays, which was the sixth least in the NFL. And again, explosive play uh, are rushes that are 15 or more yards and passes that are 20 or more yards. So they didn't have the big impactful plays but they didn't allow opposing offenses to gain those big chunks of yardage. And that's something that you can also take away going into 2020. All right. I'm going to ask one last time. Anything else, Sir Nicholas? Um, I think that those are the big things. You know, they had a good touchdown rate defense, uh, seventh in the league there, not allowing basically they didn't allow opponents to get into the end zone very often. Again, another thing they can carry over to 2020. But there were some really, you know, good positives when you look at this 2019 defense. Obviously it wasn't as good as 2018, but those are the main takeaways that I found just kind of doing the research here. All right. And obviously, uh, we're here to get better in 2020. And a lot of it's going to depend on some of these decisions that the Bears are going to be making at a lot of key positions, as well as some key players uh, in the past. Maybe they won't be here in the future. But let's go ahead and kick off our positional analysis. And let's take a look at that Bears defensive line. Now, last year, Akeem Hicks, he was injured for the vast majority of the season. He was only able to play in five games. He finished 2019 with 10 tackles and a sack. He's turning 31 this year. He's also set to make nearly $12 million. So my first question, Nick, it's a tough one, and it's one that pains me to say, but I think it's a valid one. Do you think Akeem Hicks can get healthy and be a disruptive force that we saw over the past few seasons and also be worth that large cap hit, or are those days now behind us? Because once you reach that 30 Things start to change. We saw that happen last year. Like I said, he's turning 31 this year, coming off that elbow injury. 
I have some concerns when it comes to Akeem Hicks. Not the heart and soul, but literally the body. Almost kind of like Kyle Long, where the body just kind of betrays him at some point. Do you think that's the case, or is he worth $12 million this year? I think he is worth the $12 million because he saw what this Bears defense was without him. And even though he didn't – I what, he played limited snaps in that second game against the Packers, you still felt the impact. And you're just hoping that now with this offseason he can rehab that. It was kind of when you look at that Raiders, that injury he sustained during the Raiders game, it was kind of a freak injury. It was like his own player kind of hit him in the elbow and, and that kind of did it for him, right? But you do bring up a good point with the age and – productivity kind of it usually doesn't turn in the players favor but you got to hope for the bears bears sake that he could still be productive because there are so much limitations with the cap that if the bears had to think about replacing or you know just getting more depth at that position right now you're kind of really limiting yourself for the positions of you know really big needs but i do have confidence that akeem hicks can come back from that injury be productive Maybe this is where you got to really take an account, uh, snap counts into uh, perspective because if you don't, you're just kind of making it, giving them more opportunities to sustain those injuries. And it's football, it can happen at any given play. But mm-hmm. I'm going to put my confidence that Akeem Hicks uh, is going to be healthy for 2020 and that he is worth that, that money that you mentioned because he is an impactful player. He's a difference maker on this defense. And we saw what this pass rush was without Akeem Hicks for the majority of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get you. I really do. It's one of those things where, you know, they'll more than likely bring Akeem Hicks through 2020, let it play it out. And if he can go back to the level of play, was it 2018, 2017? It's going to be a no-brainer. He'll be worth every punny. But if for some reason he does, you know, regress, or if that injury uh, ends up being an issue, that elbow ends up being an issue down the road, that's going to be a big pill to swallow because you can use that $12 million. And I think his dead hit is around 3 or $4 million if they ended up cutting him. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying if they did. And so that would open up around $8 million or so of space, which could be used as for a replacement. It could be used elsewhere on this team. We know there's some holes that need to be filled. But I agree with you. If Akeem Hicks, if they believe he can be that guy that they envision him being, that they paid him to be, then you bring him in this season, you eat the cap, and you just hope for the best. And I think that's what you have to do here for Akeem Hicks. Now, outside of Akeem Hicks, there are a handful of players that are up for contracts. You have Nick Williams, you have Roy Robertson-Harris, you have Brett Urban, and we're going to decide their fate in an upcoming segment. But say you could bring back all three. Just say they're all here, okay? Are you, would you be okay with them as your depth pieces for the defensive line for a second year in a row here? Or are you, if so... Or if not, would you be looking to potentially upgrade the position? I think when – so really when Akeem Hicks went down, you put a lot of responsibility on these guys. And even um, Bilal Nichols didn't have that good of a season because he had that hand injury early on. So I think that really impacts their play as well. But just seeing the, I guess, resurgence in Nick Williams' career, he came into the league in 2015, never had a sack, had you know finished with six, second on the team. So – I like him as a depth piece. Roy Robertson Harris now, he's an interesting player for me because he started off the season really well. We thought that I think I, I know I tweeted some at some point during the season, Roy Robertson's going to get paid. Then his last sack came in week four against Minnesota, one and a half sacks he had that game. He didn't have a sack since. The Bears, most of the team didn't have much sacks for the rest of the year, but he really just t- the, tailed off in production. 
So he's an interesting player if the Bears decide maybe we can go elsewhere with somebody like a Roy Robinson Harris. Obviously physically gifted, is able to, he was able to transition from positions. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. But consistency is the big thing with him, and that's why Jonathan Bullard wasn't on this team. Can we maybe see the same thing with Roy Robinson here? So he'll be interesting. Brent Urban, um, I think, obviously, when Akeem Hicks went down, they brought somebody. You had to have somebody else on this team, right? And I think for the most part, he wasn't asked to do too much. I mean, what are you really expecting out of a player like him? But I think that he would be a guy that you'd want to bring back for depth-wise. Sure. Again, it's it's you have a all favorite out of the three. If you, I like Nick Williams, okay, out of because yeah. he is similar to Roy Robson Harris, where his first half of the season, which was much better than the second half, he was someone too that kind of tapered off. I think the entire Bears defensive front, outside linebackers and defensive line, tapered off in terms of at least those splash plays, the tackles for the losses, the sacks. I mean, they were pretty sound. I mean, we saw the you know obvious statistics but they weren't flashy and they weren't sexy if you want to use that word as well. And obviously I think if you're wanting to improve this team next year, you need to find players who can get some more of those game changing type of plays instead of just being real solid. And again, we'll, when we get to our next segment, after we go through all the positions, we'll talk about each one of those and whether you or I would bring them back or not. But you mentioned Bilal Nichols and that's another interesting name because he's entering his third season now in 2020 he had a very strong second half of the 2018 season. And afterwards, we set the bar very high for Bilal Nichols. And he earned the starting job throughout the offseason. And things were looking really up for him. But you mentioned he had that hand injury, which kind of kind of hindered his overall production because he did double the amount of games he started. It went from six as a rookie to 12 as a sophomore. But he still went down in production. So his tackles for a loss went from five down to one. His total tackles remained about the same, 28 to 27. Uh, then he went from having three sacks as a rookie to none last year. And we know, we talked about in the podcast a lot what a broken hand can do to anyone who's playing up front in the trenches. It makes that job very difficult to win those one-on-one matchups. So I know that has an impact. However, I want to know, do you still have high confidence that Nichols can be a, quote, full-time starter for the Bears up front? Uh, or was he just a victim of a sophomore slump? Or is he somewhere in the middle? It's probably somewhere in the middle, to be completely honest. Uh, it's a lot to ask out of you know a former fifth-round pick out of Delaware to be a full-time starter. Really, I would give – obviously, he missed the beginning of that second season. But you have to hope that he can be a little bit more productive than he was last season and more so build off of that, 20, that 2018 campaign or that, the end of it, right? Because the Bears need more production out of their defensive linemen, and that – really comes from the the youth that they have in a Bilal Nichols. And just from what I saw on tape, he's he has all the, the physical ability. He knows how to stack and shed, can read, you know, when offensive linemen are going out for screens and then get to the running back. He did all that in his, in his rookie season. But really, when you take away that hand, I think that just really messed with him. You saw how it affected Leonard Floyd. And mm-hmm. 
there are other reasons why Leonard Floyd hasn't been productive, but it, it does affect the player and how they approach their attack of, you know, just going to po- going against an opposing offensive lineman. But I'm going to say Bilal Nichols is somewhere in the middle where he can be a, you know, a guy that's in definitely in the rotation, um, getting a lot more snaps than maybe I would say at this point, like Roy Robinson Harris has showed us that at, he is who he is. He'll have flashes, but he's not consistent. I'd want to see a Bilal Nichols get more snaps than a Roy Robinson Harris just because we know who Roy Robinson Harris is. There's still a lot left to see from Bilal Nichols, and I think there's more good than bad. Okay. Uh, You talked about consistency and knowing what you have in players. I think the perfect uh, epitome of that would be steady Eddie Goldman. I think we know exactly what we're going to get out of him each and every year. Is there anything you want to mention about him on the show? I don't have any notes or any questions about him just because of how consistent he's been. I think we know what we're going to get out of him. He's a very solid piece right there at the nose for the Bears. I don't have any higher expectations for him next season. I don't have any lower expectations for him next season. Just let him be the player that he is, and I think that's the perfect cog up front in this machine that is the Bears defense. Yeah, I mean, Goldman's a solid run-stopping, gap-filling defensive lineman. That's what he's being – that's his job. That's what he's supposed to do, free up those linebackers. I think he does a consistently good job with it. And he lost his, you know, uh, partner in crime with Akeem Hicks five weeks into the season after the Oakland game. So there's going to be a lack of – or a different production from him as well. So give him a healthy Akeem Hicks, a rotation that is actually productive in the defensive line where he can get a breather every now and again, every now and then you're going to see a more productive Eddie Goldman. I firmly believe that. So yeah, with him, he just needs to keep doing what he's doing. He's actually staying healthy. That was a problem for him early on in his career with the bears, but it looks like right now that he's able to, you know, stay on the field. And I think that was a big part of Eddie Goldman's, I guess, critiques, but Seems like he's on the better half of that, but I have no kind of, I guess, real critiques for an A goal because he's been pretty consistent, like you said. Exactly. I mean, are we going to upgrade from him? No. <laughs> are we looking to add people behind him to push him? Not really. So it's like a non-talking point, which is great for him because outside of Eddie Goldman, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, I think those are my three like 100% consistent guys that we don't even need to talk about today. But looking at the Bears defensive line as a whole, Nick, I want to know your confidence level. I and mean, we do this for you know pregame shows, but I'm going to do this for each position. And don't forget, you have three guys up for contract here, and they're not on the team. So you have to take that into account. I'm sitting at a 4.5, uh, looking at Eddie Goldman, like we mentioned, I'm 100% okay with. Akeem Hicks, I'm wary about the age and some degeneration of his body. Uh, and then outside of that, it's no one else on this roster until we start you know, re-signing some guys, going to free agency, looking at the draft. So as it sits today with no Roy Robertson-Harris, no – well, we have Bilal Nichols too, sorry. So I'll take my 4.5, I'll move it up to a 5.5, and that's where I'm going to stand But until they make some other adjustments. But what about you? Where would you sit for the defensive line? You know what? I think um, when you look at what the defensive line's main – I guess responsibilities on the defense are to do like Akeem Hicks rushing the passer. I think that's just a plus. He's just able to do it because he's that good of a player, but what they're asked to do, I mean, to fill those gaps and then allow these outside linebackers, these inside linebackers to blitz and wrap up and make the tackles. And I think the bears do have somewhat of a good unit to do that. They got to sign some guys obviously that are up for contract, but I'm a little bit more confident than um, you are in this defensive line. I think Akeem Hicks is going to come back. And, you know, be healthy for this defensive unit. And I give it more so around a 7.5 
kind of right there, borderline eight with my confidence in this unit. We didn't see Bilal Nichols, who we thought was going to take a big step. Having that hand injured, that took away you know, his production early on. Then you have Akeem Hicks out. Of course the other guys are not going to produce like he, he did. So that kind of just affects the entire unit. You take away that defensive leader as well. So put Akeem Hicks back on the field. That's like a catalyst for everybody in that position, that defense really, to do a lot better. So I'm going at a 7.58. They have to resign people, but I'm, I'm confident that unit will bounce back in 2020. So you're at a 7.58 just with the main three of Goldman, Hicks, and Nichols. Put Nick Williams in there as well, and I'm feeling pretty good about that. Okay, I just want to make sure. I'm just wanting to make sure that we're all on the same page here. All right, moving on to outside linebacker. This was a position that took some steps backward last season. Not only did the entire unit register less sacks than they did in 2018, it went down 7. 21 in 2018, down to only 14 last year. They also produced less pressure overall on opposing quarterbacks. So, Nick, when you're reflecting on this position, what do you think was behind the lack of a pass rush from the edge position? So that's that's a good question, Will. I think what it was is that teams knew you stop Cleo Mack, this pass rush isn't coming. It really isn't. Leonard Floyd, now heading into his fifth season, has not been the pass rusher that the Bears were hoping he would be. And there's not much guys behind him. So defense is new to get the ball out quick, run away from Khalil Mack, and don't allow him to affect the game. Let these other guys to really do it. And Floyd has shown consistently that he's not consistently able to get to the quarterback. He's good at stopping the run, can drop back in coverage, but he is not a pass rusher. He's a good football player, but he's not a pass rusher. That's what the Bears really needed. So I think that was the biggest thing. And when you take out, again, I think it all comes back to when Nakeem Hicks gets injured because Khalil Mack through the first four games, he was more productive than he was in 2018. So he was putting up pressures. He was getting sacks, forcing fumbles. Nakeem Hicks goes out. So is the Bears defense. It was it's weird how that works, but that's mm-hmm. the big that's the huge impact Nakeem Hicks had on this unit. So I think now that you put him back in there, maybe um, Mac is more productive, but I just don't have a lot. Of, I, I honestly don't have a lot of confidence in Floyd. Uh, we've been talking about it every. How many? Uh, how many articles do we see during the summer? He's up. He's he's bigger than he ever was. He's healthy. He's working on his technique. Where's the production? You're still looking for it. Five years in, so that's where the biggest dropback is. Teams could just overload Max production on Mac. And then not have to worry about the backside guy because they're not doing anything. Well, that actually leads to one of my next questions. I wanted to go and look back to last off season, and I want to know: Do you think the Bears made a mistake? Do you think they neglected the depth of this position? Because we talked about it last year. We thought getting outside linebacker depth was imperative, and what all they did was re-sign Aaron Lynch. Uh, brought in like a James Vodders to go into camp, and obviously he earned his way into the practice squad, but uh, Kylie Fitz was a bust. Isaiah Irving's always been a project. Do you think they neglected that position last offseason too much and they need to find a way to compensate for it in the 2020 offseason? I think so. I mean, you could never have too many productive, athletic, fast, strong pass rushers, and the Bears just – didn't really bring in enough guys. You look at just look at that Super Bowl that just happened, you know, last Sunday. Look at the 49ers team. They're stacked with pass rushers, guys that can just get after the quarterback. Even when they're substituting and bringing in other guys, 
they're people that you could trust to at least apply pressure or make the quarterback uncomfortable. You take out Khalil Mack and you have Leonard Floyd, Isaiah, Isaiah Irving out there, you know that quarterback's going to have time. And that is something that, yeah, we expected the Bears to draft somebody, bring somebody in, not just re-sign an Aaron Lynch to a one-year deal. He has more offsides than he has sacks, so he's not that productive. He had a good you know, first year, but that's not the reason why you should – you know, not sign somebody because you feel that comfortable in a guy like that. But yeah, absolutely. I think you look at this draft, you might think that if the Bears, I don't want to give anything away about Floyd, that they're going to look to upgrade that. They're going to look to add depth at that position opposite of Cleo Mack. See, I hope they don't add depth. I hope they bring in, and I put in my notes, real competitors. Like real guys who can go out there, like you said, on these Super Bowl caliber, playoff caliber defenses that you have three, maybe four guys that can crash in off the edge and make a difference instead of one and then a half, maybe one and a half. We'll call Leonard Floyd a half. So one and a half, you have Mack and Floyd, <laughs> and then it's just question marks and usually duds. And I think that was a mistake last year. They banked too much on Isaiah Irving. They banked too much on even letting Kylie Fitz roll his way in the camp to see if he was still an answer. I mean, if you couldn't tell Kylie Fitz wasn't a fit back in OTAs, minicamp, that's a problem. So I think they'd really need to uh, restructure this entire position. And you mentioned Floyd, and I know you don't want to give up too much away, but he is accounting for $13 million against the cap. And I asked a question about Akeem Hicks, would he be worth the money? So week one, Leonard Floyd's on a roster. He's accounting for $13 million. He's starting against uh, opposite of Cleo Mack. Would that be a mistake for Ryan Pace? At $13 million for this year, yes. Unless they do something where they're going to restructure his deal to you know, kind of – look, he's going to make more money and he'll get more guaranteed, but it'll be over the course of more years. That I think is all right, but I'm not good with – Three point two to whatever million that Floyd would make next season. That's top tier, you know, getting after the quarterback money, which Floyd doesn't do. And I think fans like they expect Floyd get ten sacks in a season. Only seventeen players in the NFL got ten sacks or more last season. It's hard to get ten sacks, but if you saw at least like seven, six, six and a half, seven, I think Bears fans would have a little bit better of a perception and of a Leonard Floyd, but he wasn't that. He had three, three, you know, and he's mostly getting the one-on-ones and Cleo Max getting double, triple teams. So, yeah, at 13.22 million, you're expecting a lot more than a guy that plays the run well and can drop back in coverage. The Bears moved up to get a guy that can rush the quarterback. That's yeah. not Leonard Floyd. And he's a guy that every year... Uh, less and less percentage of his snaps are actually pass rushes. They're, like you said, dropping him more back in coverage, utilizing him in different ways instead of just going after quarterbacks. And I like a you know multifaceted type of player that can do a variety of things, but that's his number one job is to <laughs> apply pressure, crash the edge. Uh, we didn't even talk about his run containment issues that we've seen off and on as well this past season from Leonard Floyd. But yeah, when you're putting a $13 million price tag on number 94, that's a really tough cookie to swallow. I don't, I don't know why. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. 
Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Cookie was the word that came to mind, Nick, but it was. But it was, and we're going to stick with it. So when you're looking at this, we talked about the other guys. I'm not going to even waste a breath on Aaron Lynch or Isaiah Irving. We'll decide their fate real quickly and swiftly, I'm sure, here soon. Uh, but when you're looking at right now, under contract, Khalil Mack, James Vodders, Leonard Floyd, what's your confidence level? Yeah, so when I looked at all these groups here, the positions, this was my least confident position um just because outside of Khalil Mack and teams have shown they can stop him there's nobody there's nobody on this team currently that you feel confident that can apply pressure and we saw what this defense was without pressure so if I'm looking at a confidence standpoint in this outside linebacker edge position I'm going with maybe a three here three and a half where it's it's Khalil Mack and then what and the Bears got to figure out that part of it because if they don't this defense will see similar results that they did last year. Look, it was a top 10 unit, but the sacks weren't there. The interceptions weren't there. The dominance really wasn't there. And if you take that away from this this team, there's not a lot to it. We saw what the offense was, but outside of Cleo Mack, there's just nobody that you trust to get after the quarterback. Yep. And I mean, I think that goes hand in hand. You talked about the interior defensive line, like Akeem Hicks and the impact it can have here at this position. Uh, so I'm on the boat where you need three, maybe four very good pass rushers. You have an elite one on this roster, so you can get by with maybe th- two other very good pass rushers. So they say we're one third of the way there. So maybe a three, maybe a 3.33 if you're going to go specific math here. But yeah, uh, there's some work yet to be done. So yeah, this is definitely a position that needs an overhaul. I think that's how we can summarize outside linebacker. Let's go ahead, Nick, and let's slide inside. As of right now, the only inside linebacker with starter potential on this roster and experience is Roquan Smith. Now, he had a tough and rough start to the season, but after he got his head on straight, uh, he really did turn it on late in the year, uh, right before he tore that pectoral muscle. I think weeks like 9, 10, 11, 12, he was playing some really good football. But obviously, he has to do a whole offseason of rehab. It's a pretty severe injury to come back from. But say he goes through, rehab's great. Do you expect year three, Roquan Smith, to be the best version of Roquan we've seen so far? I I would hope so. The Bears would hope so. Um, I think just another year, just understanding what offenses are doing. um, I think you can expect it. I know that the injury is going to be a lot of rehabbing. It's pectoral muscle. So that's definitely something that's going to hinder him to get on the football field. But you could still be learning so much in terms of just what offenses are going to do. And I think that's where you get the value of a Roquan Smith because he's usually at the right place, right position. And going into year three, I think you can expect a good version of Roquan Smith. He still finished this season with 101 tackles, the most on the team. And that's, you know, obviously missing some games there. So I think you can because he is a good football player. He was worth the pick. We just need to see him obviously stay healthy. And this is, you know, his first major injury. And with the season the Bears had, you were kind of expecting, you know, more guys to keep going down like they did. But I think just another year, Chuck Pagano, uh, just blitzing him a little bit more, you're going to see a productive Roquan Smith because we saw it out of some backups that, you know, took hold and were able to play some good football down the stretch for the Bears. So I think if you put a Roquan Smith in that position – you're going to see similar 
to probably better results as well. Now, of course, you said Roquan, he led the team in tackles. Uh, that was despite missing games at the end of the season. I know he missed a one game early on due to the personal reason. And honestly, I could think the two games, three games after, even though he was on the field, we can say he wasn't overly present. You can tell he wasn't his normal self. Wait, hold on. This just hit my brain. Did he actually have his car stolen? Did I see that right this week? I've been so bogged down with work. I've been off and on the news, but did I see that right? I think it was like some valet parking. Some I think the you know they left the keys in the car, something like that. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen anything. What's with Roquan Smith and you know car? Well, there was that you know report earlier. I don't think it was a, a car issue. I don't think it uh, was either. No, no. But uh, yeah, so I don't know what's what's the issue with Roquan Smith and cars. I don't know if that got solved. But I was just well, I was yeah. just curious. I was just it doesn't nope. matter to this podcast, but it just was those like Eureka moments. <laughs> like I knew I heard Roquan Smith's name somewhere this week and that was why. But like you said, if this is third year, you expect him to take that next step and there's some other guys that probably won't be here, so you're gonna need him to be more of a leader at the position uh than we have seen in years past as well. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and talk about the three guys up for contract at the position. You have Danny Trevathan, Nick Wachowski, and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. And like I mentioned, I don't know why I keep saying it, but we'll decide their fate here later on in the show. But let's play a little bit of spoiler here. If you had to guess, how many of those three names are coming back to Chicago? You don't have to say who if you don't want to yet, if it's going to give away your hand, but just give me a number. Two. Two will be back in Chicago. Okay. Okay. I think I'm on the same boat as you. But in terms of uh, Nick Wachowski, uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, uh, anything you wanted to mention about either of them? I think both of them were very pleasant surprises down the stretch for the Bears this season. Obviously, Nick Wachowski, uh, he proved a lot of growth in some key areas of his game that we've always uh, pointed out as weaknesses. Uh, he was able to turn them not into strengths, but definitely they weren't as vulnerable as they were maybe in seasons past. And of course, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, I think there was a time when he was one of the best linebackers in the league towards the second or third final weeks of the year, where at least for pro football focus grades, I'm not going to tout him. But when you see a Kevin Pierre-Lewis atop over some of the bigger guys that are making, you know, buku bucks, it's pretty cool to see as well. And we all know he was playing some pretty good football. But Nick, is there anything you wanted to mention about Quid or KPL? Yeah, I mean, Nick Wachowski, you see the player development from a guy who just really, really struggled in pass coverage. But in 2019, it's not that it was his strength, like you said, Will, but he got better at it. He was just in better positions to make plays on the ball or to just deflect the pass, whatever it may be. He was in the right position. And, you know, I think what Chuck Pagano saw in Nick Wachowski, man, if I blitz this linebacker up the A-gap, he's going to do some damage. And we saw that. Time and time again when Nick Wachowski was asked to blitz because he just brings the hammer. So that's what I thought he saw in him. And then Kevin Pierre-Lewis, a great, you know, obviously a veteran in the league, but coming in and filling in like he did, just playing fast and being in the right place, that's what you want to see out of a veteran player like that. So, yeah, I was really pleased to see how these two inside linebackers played despite the starters going down, you know, obviously during the season. Now, I wanted to get your thoughts on the guy who's entering his third year here, uh, Joel E.A. Booneyway. Uh, he's failed to make really much of a mark on defense. Uh, I'd even go out to say maybe uh, on the team in general. I mean, he's been an adequate special teamer. I want to say a premier one by any means. Um, but when I'm looking at uh, E.A. Booneyway, 
uh, I'll just say Iggy, uh, to save me some time. <laughs> and looking at his career and the trajectory, I just don't see how it ends with him being a starting inside linebacker on this team really ever. Do you see that happening? It's hard to envision it because we really haven't seen him play defense. He's only been on, like you said, special teams. I, I don't want to. He I mean, did even a pretty good job. Even preseason, there's times where I'm like, yeah, I don't, he doesn't have like those instincts that you want to see out of like you know a starting caliber linebacker. Yeah, he's a smaller guy, but he seems pretty stiff. You know, like those those hips don't move very well in coverage. It's just a limited time that we've seen him actually play defense and drop back into coverage. But it, it's hard to envision him being somewhere in the future plans for the Bears that he's going to be an inside linebacker for them. It just it just is because we just haven't seen it. And I think when you look at this roster and the inside linebacker position, depending on who the Bears keep or let go, there's there may be an opportunity. But I don't. I just don't know. Well, it's just too it's too hard to tell. And if I were to say that I think he's going to be a starter, I'd be lying to. You. Because I just haven't seen anything that would justify, you know, him being in that position because he's made a special teams impact. Nothing more than that. Yeah, I think he's someone uh, like DeAndre Houston Carson that you draft a little bit later who, you know, you maybe he can develop, maybe he won't. But at least his floor is a special teams contributor year in, year out. And I think that's what we're starting to get out of Iggy here. But just wanted to see if 2020 maybe is your surprise of the show that it's going to be the breakout year for EA Booneyway. But I guess not. <laughs> no, I, I can't say that. Okay, uh, real quickly, confidence level for inside linebackers. I'm at like a 5.5. I, I have a hunch out of the three, they'll at least bring back one at the absolute minimum, which would help. Um, but right now with only Roquan and Iggy, uh, you don't know what you're going to get. So I'm going to say like 5.5 until I know who that answer is going to be opposite of Roquan. Yeah, so I'm actually going to go with 6.5 on this one. I'm confident the two guys that I have coming back to kind of solidify that other inside linebacker position opposite of Roquan Smith. Well, who are you, Ryan Pace? Just because you say they're coming back doesn't mean they're coming back. Oh, they're they're coming back. If I say it, they're coming back. All right. All right, you have the poll, you have the weight. Uh, excited to see all the moves you make this offseason, Sir GM. But let's go ahead and move <laughs> to the secondary, and let's look at the cornerback position. And I want to begin with the newest Chicago Bear, and that's Trey Roberson out of the CFL, uh, the former college quarterback. He was able to cement himself as the best corner in the Canadian League. And, Nick, you kind of alluded to this earlier in the show. You had the opportunity to sit down to talk with a former teammate of his in college as well as his DB coach from the CFL. So do you want to give our listeners something that you learned about the new CB and maybe some way-too-early predictions or projections for him, like if you think he'll make the roster or not? Yeah, so uh, just – just from talking to Trey Roberson's uh, DB coach with the Calgary Stampeders, he obviously is going to have just great things to say about um, Roberson. But just from talking with him, I just found that he's a huge film junkie, just constantly, constantly watching film uh, during the bye week where, you know, players try to get away from the game. He caught him watching about 13 hours of film just throughout the week. I mean, it's a guy that's committed to the game. will pick up on tendencies from wide receivers and he played every single position in the secondary, according to his DB coach. And that was from nickel corner to strong safety, free safety. He has a good feel for the game. And that's what, 
you kind of see in like some of the highlights that you see him where he's picking off passes, looking back for the ball. That's what you want to see out of a corner. And I think it's also telling of him just, you know, how he had to get here playing one. He was a quarterback, went to your alma mater there, Will, then went to uh, Illinois State, played quarterback, got a chance with the Vikings on their practice squad, was eventually let go, wound up in the CFL, did his thing there for two seasons. Now he's back in the NFL. So a guy that's just a grinder who's going to give, you know, obviously this is his biggest opportunity to make a team. And really right now it looks like there may be a position with that opposite corner Uh, of Kyle Fuller so I think what you're getting from him is a guy that can stick with receivers we'll see the level of competition now in the NFL but he's someone that you know his ex-teammate Kyle Williams had again nothing but good things to say also um, jumped on saying that he is a film junkie taught him how to watch film so a guy that is going to do all that he can to make this football team yeah and with him having, you know, quarterback experience at a high level, I mean, collegiate football, D1 football, I would call that a high level. He knows how to read the game through a quarterback's eyes and see how plays evolve and what their intended, you know, uh, expectation is and where the quarterback should be going, what his hot reads are. And if he can do that as a corner, he should be, you know, one step ahead or at least on pace with any quarterback, which would really help him. I think that's what did help him succeed to the degree that he did in the CFL. So I'm very excited to really uh, get down to training camp. I guess now it's even more up than it was for me originally, but to see what he can do here uh, in a Bears uniform. Very enticing, you know, having a guy who signed the biggest CFL to NFL contract since, what, Cameron Wake? I mean, that's really exciting when you want to put those, uh, you know, next to one another. But of course, uh, Wake had to earn, you know, what he was able to achieve in the NFL. And Roberson is just getting started and he has to do the same exact thing. All right. So last season, uh, especially after free agency, we were all skeptical about uh, Buster Screen and whether or not he'd be a good fit in this defense. Heck, I think it was even in training camp that we were still wondering if he would earn a starting role or not, if it would be Duke Shelley or Buster Screen. Obviously, he did. Uh, He put together a pretty good full season. So, Nick, number one, did Buster Screen uh, exceed your expectations, and are you comfortable with him as your starting nickel corner next year? So he didn't exceed my expectations because I had some pretty high ones going into the season. I thought he'd get at least three interceptions. didn't do that, but he did exceed where he didn't commit penalties, pass interference calls. The only one that he had was against the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. It was that double pass interference with, um, I think it was Marvin Jones or Galladay, one of the bigger receivers. But that was it. He was a pretty solid nickelback corner, played really aggressive. It's hard because I think what people are going to last remember of Buster's screen is probably that Green Bay game where he's lined up one-on-one on Devontae Adams in the slot. When you don't get a jam on Devontae Adams, you're asking for terrible things to happen and end up being like a touchdown pass. But I think he did a really good job just, one, fitting into this new defense and just playing his game. So I'm happy with Buster Screen being the starting nickel corner for the 2020 season. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Yeah, I mean, same here. I don't think we can 
Well, I mean, he's under contract and he has a decent, you know, cap hit weight. And don't think if we wanted to move on from him, it would make any financial sense. So he's here. I don't see uh, Duke Shelley rising to the challenge and overthrowing him uh, whatsoever there. So, yeah, he's going to be here. I think, you know, there he was a mixed bag, but a very the good outweighed the bad when it came to the screen. And I believe that, you know, there's another year in the system around this team, around, you know, his coaches, and it should make him better because, you know, anytime you can have a consistency, that helps. Now, I know we have Kevin Tolliver. Uh, we need to talk about him, and he's young. He has potential. We've seen it in spurts. I want to know. We don't need to talk about what he did last year and what you're expecting. I have a fun question when it comes to Kevin Tolliver because we don't know what Robertson's going to really bring to the table just yet. We don't know if Prince of Mukamara is going to be here or not. We can talk about that later on, Nick. But when you're looking at Kevin Tolliver, what does he need to do uh, and work on this offseason to put himself in a very strong position to at least put him in fighting contention for a starting role? Yeah, so I think with Kevin Tolliver, he obviously has the length, the physical ability, but with him, it's really going to be just watching and learning how wide receivers run routes and being able to break on passes, just be right at the hip of a receiver, and that's tough to do for any corner, but that's going to maybe separate him separate him from a Trey Roberson or any of the guys that are trying to compete for that outside cornerback uh, position if Prince Mukumar does not come back. But I think that's a big thing for him. We haven't seen him play that much. But in the last couple of games, when he did have an opportunity, when Prince and him were kind of splitting reps, I just didn't see it. I didn't see where the Bears are going to feel confident going with a Kevin Tolliver for an entire season just with how he played. But I think it's going to be obviously a really good training camp, sticking with some of these receivers. I want to see him guard like an Allen Robinson one. I want to see how we can do. If you could do that, you, you're, you could be a pretty good corner. But it's easier said than done, and I just haven't seen it yet. He's, like I said, physical capabilities, the length, all that is there. We just need to see him, I guess, work on the, the intangibles, the foot speed, the hip turns, the wheel turns, all those things. That's going to make him or break him to in this you know, cornerback spot. Yeah, I always thought whenever Tolliver has been out there, we're not going to lose a game because of him, which I think is a good position for him to be in, you know, given the limited experience he's had in the league so far and you know, coming in undrafted, having to work his way up. But you're right. He need, There's still some steps for him to take, and I think you did a good job of outlining what those are. Now, in terms of this position as a whole, I mean, bringing in Roberson was very early just because of the different rules between CFL players coming into the NFL. We still have to wait for free agency to begin here, and of course we have the draft. Would you be surprised if they dip again at the corner position, whether it be free agency or the draft, or no? No, I definitely wouldn't be surprised by it. I think the Bears want to look to upgrade there, just get some playmakers, because you just don't know how free agency's going free agency is going to shape up. But yeah, if the Bears decide with one of those two second round picks, number forty three or fifty, to get a corner, I wouldn't be all too surprised with it. Especially that probably means Prince of Mukamara is gone. And you're looking to find someone that can be that opposite starter of Kyle Fuller. So I would not be surprised whatsoever if they do that. I I don't really see it bringing in a new guy in free agency, I would think it's going to more so happen in the draft if they want to go that route. I'm excited to see how free agency shakes out because when you're looking at the draft, you just said 
oh, you wouldn't be surprised if they draft a corner with one of the first two picks. As the roster stands today, I would be pretty pissed off because there are some bigger holes on this roster that the Bears need to fill. But again, that's what free agency for. It changes the game of how you need to attack the draft. But it'd be real interesting to see how that shakes out. But no matter what avenue it is, I do think the Bears will be investing at this position. I think they do it almost each and every offseason, at least a guy or two, just to keep you know, churning the wheels that is the cornerback position as well. But as it stands today, and that's with everyone under contract, what's your confidence level at this position? Mine's at like a 7.5. I think they're pretty solid. I think they, they're not elite by any means, but Kyle Fuller's one of the best corners out there. There's a question mark. I mean, Princeton Mukamara has been, uh, in the past, he was really good, then good, and now above average, and then maybe now he's just average. And I think there's some room for improvement on that side of the ball. But what about you, overall cornerback confidence? Yeah, so you're factoring, you know, Buster Screen and Nickel there as well. I think when you look at this group, and Prince, I'm factoring that maybe Prince is back next season. Let's just say I'm going with that that group. And you're probably going to get him somewhere in between his 2018 season, 2019 season. I think that's where you can maybe project him to be, even at 30 years old. I like that group for the Bears. It's someone that you can, I think, feel comfortable with going into the 2020 season, just in terms of what they've done over the past couple of seasons and maybe the outlier uh, for Kyle Fuller. I don't think he's going to have another 2018 season. I mean, that's expecting a lot of of him just because he was one of the top cornerbacks in, in the game at that time. But you look at those three guys, and if that's who they're going to go with, I'd feel pretty confident. So, Maybe I don't know where I put the uh, the inside linebackers. So I think it was a seven point five. I'll put them at like a seven point nine. All right, we have one final position, Nick, to kind of work ourselves through, and that's going to be safety. Now Eddie Jackson, he got a new deal as soon as the off season began, which was obviously well deserved, and I believe we hit on this in a previous episode. But I want to make sure, since this is the state of the defense show, for those that maybe missed it. Nick, I'm curious, what are going to be some of your new or higher expectations for Eddie Jackson now that he carries more of a cap hit? Because obviously, when you're paying players, you don't pay them for what they did. You pay them for what you expect them to do in the future. So what are you expecting Eddie Jackson to do in the future? Yeah, so I mean, similar to what I kind of wrote about with Tariq Cohen, that he's making more money. You just expect more out of him, even though he had that fantastic 2018 season 2019 he took a dip in production only had those two two interceptions they came at the end of games right you want to just see him more more so maybe this on chuck magano as well put him at that free safety position let him play his natural position where he's roaming around as that last line defense and let him make plays but that's what i want to see more of with eddie jackson i know he got he did get better uh in 2019 with his uh tackling and just mm-hmm. playing a little bit more in the box, which is great, becoming more of an all-around safety. But we want to see the interceptions. We want to see the turnovers. That's what Eddie Jackson is capable of. So that's what I want to see in the 2020 season. He's the highest-paid safety for a reason. He can make plays. They, he More so, I think, just needs to be put in the right position. So Chuck Pagano's got to evaluate, see what he's got. I know he tried to mix up HaHa and Eddie Jackson there at the free safety position. But put... Eddie Jackson primarily in the back there, let him do his thing. And I think the production will also come with that. You know, I was thinking about this earlier today and you mentioned it just due to ha ha being here. Uh, Eddie Jackson was asked to play more in the box than he did in seasons past. 
And obviously that's not where he's at his best or his most impactful. However, you also mentioned that his tackling improved. He's playing a little bit more physical. So maybe 2019, the focus was for him to work on those tackling skills, the aggressive mentality, play in the box to kind of, you know, fine tune those other skills because what he we know what he can do from the free position. And now if they can move him back next year, he'll have all the intangibles and be able to even take his game further as that free safety because now if there's plays that are, you know, explosive and they get down there, he's not going to be whiffing on as many tackles. I really think even though his production took a slight dip overall in terms of those big plays, I think the fact that he probably worked on some of the skills that were his weaknesses more due to the fact he was playing in the box is going to help him as a player for the long haul. So I'm actually pretty excited that he took a downside or a downturn in 2019 because, you know, is it the uh, small setback for a major comeback or whatever that saying may be or whatever I that think, came I from? Think that it just hit right. my head. So there we go. Anything else there? I didn't, no, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm sorry. I'm excited for Eddie Jackson in 2020. Uh, I think I remember – we were talking earlier in the season, like what uh, jersey you wanted to get. I know he was in discussion, but then mm. we know your history with buying jerseys and players. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, that's fair as well. <laughs> okay, so haha, Clinton Dix, Nick. Uh, obviously, he did some things well last year. He still had some moments where he wasn't playing, you know, great. But that's every player. I mean, I can say that about anyone here. But if I recall correctly. Earlier in a show this offseason, you said or you stated that the Bears can probably find a better counterpart for Eddie Jackson. Are you still on that kind of train? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with yes, because I know Haha's probably going to get paid and he won't even be here, but it allows I think what the Bears need to do is find more of that strong, actually strong safety position. Haha Clint Dix wasn't that. He, he was a free safety. They just had two of them playing, and that's why they were interchangeables. But I think what will maximize Eddie Jackson's ability, which is what you want, and you'll still get production out of the strong safety position, is to bring somebody who has more of those strong safety kind of qualities. A big hitter who could play in the box, who will line up more prim- primarily on the tight end. So I, I have to agree that the, what I said earlier probably is the best bet for the Bears moving forward. Okay. Now, I said this about E.A. Booneyway. I kind of alluded to it with uh, with Kevin Tolliver. So now let's talk about Dion Bush. And he's someone that we also need to decide if we're going to pass or play on here in just a little bit. But say he comes back next season. Do you envision a scenario where he can be starting opposite of Eddie Jackson? Or uh, Dion Bush is sealing a very good backup? I was trying to word this nicely. I can see it. Yeah, I can see Dion, but the Bears being comfortable with Dion Bush back there. Because look, you got to really look at what they had previous to Hawk Lindix. They had Adrian Amos. He wasn't a guy that was making a bunch of splash plays or anything like that. He was consistent, didn't do anything that was not being asked of him. He was in the right position, made tackles. I think you could see do have something similar in a Dion Bush, maybe to not to that to that level because we all know that. Uh, Adrian Amos got paid by the Green Bay Packers, but I think you could have somebody that is just asked to do his job, not any much mm-hmm. more than that, and you have Eddie Jackson be the primary focus at the safety position. 
I think you could see a little bit of the maybe instincts, the just the abilities from a Deion Bush. We haven't seen him a lot there, but he was the first man up when Eddie Jackson went down. He was there. Uh, there weren't a lot of big plays that happened when Deion Bush was in the game. I know he had a bad pass interference call. I'm forgetting the game now. I think it was Minnesota week 17 of 2018. But for the most part, I think you could see some of the, the trust that the Bears have in him. Even when they went big, uh, the nickel package, it was Deion Bush who was out there, mm-hmm. who was playing that that big nickel. So I would feel, I would think the Bears feel a little bit more comfortable than maybe most people think with the Deion Bush. Yeah, and when you think about it, if they can find a way to be, you know, I know Deion, he's up for a contract, but given his playing career, if he wanted a new contract in Chicago, it shouldn't be a ton of money. He can probably be a very cheap option to allow the Bears to, you know, use their limited cap on some other key positions on defense. The other side of the ball has some major work that we need to talk about next week as well. So it is a very intriguing option. I think it's high risk, high reward, and maybe it's moderate risk, high reward. Maybe the risk isn't super high, but I do think there is some risk if you are rolling out with Deion Bush, uh, just due to the fact that he doesn't have that. Uh, continual starting experience. He's done it in spurts, but we haven't seen him string together, you know, seven, eight games in a row and playing at a decently high level. But on this defense, surrounded by other strong playmakers, he could just kind of, you know, hide in the backgrounds, do his job, like you said, and probably play some solid football. And the Bears defense uh, wouldn't really overly miss HaHa Clinton Dick. So it's a very interesting route the Bears can go through this offseason as well. But Nick, when it comes to the safeties, what's going to be your confidence level at this position? Yeah, this one's interesting um, because you have all the faith and trust in Eddie Jackson. It's just the other guys that are whoever's going to play opposite of him. Um, mm-hmm. If it is Deion Bush, I say I do feel comfortable there. But maybe the Bears want to experiment with like a Steven Denmark who we didn't see all last season because he was a, you oh, know yeah. drafted as a cornerback. But I think he's just a little bit too big for that position. Maybe he has a strong safety. And they also signed uh, Kentrell Bryce to a future contract. But I think with the Bears, if they're going Deion Bush and Eddie Jackson as the two starting safeties entering 2020, I feel pretty good about that group. I know that Deion Bush has been here, knows the system, um, has Eddie Jackson opposite of him, knows how to play alongside him. And if I were to go with those two guys, I feel pretty confident. And I think this one would get my first or the highest grade that I've given out of all the positions eight uh, with those two guys at the position. I don't know what they're going to do yet, but I, I do like that tandem moving forward. All right, Nick, now it's time to look at all of our positions here and put them in an order. Like what order is your order of needs? I'll go ahead and begin to, to kind of collect your thoughts. I have outside linebacker. I think I'm going to, after that, I'm going to follow it up with a mixture. It's a kind of a tie I'll break it. Inside linebacker next, just by default, because right now it's only Roquan. If we had one of the other guys under contract, it would definitely be way lower. But right now we just got one starting caliber inside linebacker. And then defensive line, and then safety, then corner. I think that's how I go about it right now. So outside linebacker, inside linebacker, slash defensive line, safety corner. How about you? Okay, so mine obviously is outside linebacker first. And then it actually goes... Oh, man. It would probably go outside linebacker. And I know I gave a pretty good grade for the cornerback position, but if you take Prince out of the equation, for me, I think that becomes really murky waters. So I'm going to go outside linebacker, cornerback. Then you would go inside linebacker, D-line safety. 
All right. I like it. I like that they're a little different, but either way, we know there's work yet to be done. But I know we're running a little long, which is good. I mean, we took a week off. We got to talk some Bears football here. And now it's time to play one of my favorite games, which still I think is my least favorite name segments that we do each year, but we're rolling (laughs) with it. It's time for the first round of pass or play in 2020. This is where Nick and I, we're going to get a player. We'll tap into our inner GM and we'll decide if the Bears should sign this player to a new deal or let him walk in free agency. So first up, Nick, I have Danny Trevathan. I know we didn't talk about him too much for the inside linebackers. Uh, He's currently, uh, again, an unrestricted free agent. So if it's up to you, what would you do with Danny Trevathan? Man, this this one's tough. And just looking at where Danny Trevathan is in his career, another injury, what the Bears actually have, you know, outside of him, I'm going to pass on Danny Trevathan. Um, it was an easy decision, of course. The Bears have just some really some major cap issues, but you look at the other two guys that they have that filled in for his spot. They played well, and I think you can you can play with those two guys, and we'll get to them in a little bit. But as of right now, I'm passing on Danny Trevathan. He knows this too. It's a business. He's alluded to this mm-hmm. multiple times in interviews. He uh, he would understand, but at at this point, I'm passing on Danny Trevathan. Yeah, I mean, I have to pass as well. He's averaged uh, in Chicago $7 million per season. Uh, He's turning 30. He's been injured a lot throughout his career. I know he's rehabbing hard. He wants to get back out there. I'll say this, though. I'm passing, but if he would do a ha-ha Clinton Dix one year at $3 million, I'd bring him back for one year at $3 million. At that price, yes, you you definitely do that because he means so much to this defense. That's a guy that's a vocal ear. That locker room respects Danny Trevathan. There's no doubt about it. And if he would do something like that, to if he thinks this team is capable of winning a championship, then you definitely bring in a, bring him back. But I I don't know if I see it. Yeah, same. I mean, this may be his last opportunity to get as you know a decent chunk of change. I don't know if the market's there, though, so it would be interesting if he tests the water for agency, doesn't get many good offers, and you're sitting there June, July, he's still available, and you're like, hey, Danny, come back for three, come back for two. And if he says yes, I mean, that's an interesting situation to put yourself in as well. But with the injuries, we'll see how that kind of plays out with Danny. But as of right now, uh, given what he's probably going to ask for, I think we're both in agreement we would pass. All right, up next, HaHa Clinton Dix. I'm passing on HaHa. I'm just going to throw it out there now. Uh, I think we can find, like you said, a better in-box fit. Uh, and obviously, uh, HaHa Clinton Dix did a one-year kind of prove-it deal, and I think he proved it enough where some team's going to try to sign him to a decent contract. So I don't think the Bears would have the luxury of matching it, even if they wanted to. So I'd pass on HaHa Clinton Dix. How about you? I'm doing the same well. I'm passing on him just because, yes, he was productive and did some good things for the Bears, but he's probably going to get some money now coming into the new league year where the Bears are just not going to be able to afford him. And like you said, there's probably somebody else on this team, the Bush, that could be serviceable at that safety position opposite of A. Jackson, and it won't have such a big effect on this defense. So I'll have to pass on HaHa Clendix. All right, let's do an easy one, and then I'm going to get to a hard one. Uh, the easy one, Aaron Lynch. I think we can say one word each and we'd be good, but anything you want to put on top of that? Yeah, I, no, not, sorry. No, I <laughs> right? don't. Uh, pass, yeah. Aaron Lynch. I'm over it. Yeah, he, he just – he's not the guy that you want coming in, filling in for a Khalil Mack or Leonard Floyd because – 
he had one good year that that shouldn't justify him to keep coming back. Yeah, I no, I let him walk. <laughs> Sorry, don't yeah. even don't even say goodbye on his way out. Let just have some awkward silence. And never call him. <laughs> Just ghost him completely, whatever you do, Ryan Pace. But, yeah, Aaron Lynch was definitely pass on him. But here's a hard one, and this one really kind of pulled to my strings a little bit. Sherrick McManus, someone who I've been very vocal on this podcast about his importance on this team uh, throughout the prior years, his importance on special teams. I've always loved Sherrick as a Chicago Bear. Uh, you know, that one guy that's been able to survive the end of Levy Smith, survive Mark Tressman, survive John Fox, and here he is still. You can't get rid of Sherrick McManus until now, maybe. Would you pass or play on Sherrick this year? Uh, this this the year, Will, where you have to just pass on the Sherrick McManus. He's 32 years old. Going into his 11th season, like you say, he's, he's played for four head coaches with the Bears. And, I mean, he a testament to his ability to stay on this roster and just contribute. But he was injured at the end of last season. Last game was the second one against Detroit. And it was a groin injury. And I think you could still get the same production that Sherrick was kind of getting through other guys. Like a Duke Shelley. That may be his way of making plays on the football field on the special teams aspect of the game, it, what Sherrick McManus was doing. Obviously really good at what he did for a very long time, but I think this is the year, Will, where we don't see Sherrick McManus come back. I mean, I sadly have to agree. I see a lot of people in the chat are saying that they would love to keep, but for those, you have to remember he made over a million dollars last year. He only appeared in, I think, nine games. He only had three tackles last year, so you're paying like $333,000 or so per tackle. I know he's a really good special teamer. He's been the you know the ace on that side of the ball and so the glue, really. But if he's going to want that same kind of money, I think the Bears can use it probably a little bit more efficiently uh, with someone a little bit younger uh, either to be a special teamer or to use that in the draft, but they can use that extra $2 million to maybe persuade a potential bigger free agent to kind of come over to Chicago. So for that reason, uh, Sherrick McManus, uh, unfortunately, love the guy, love the guy a lot, but uh, we're going to have to pass on him right now. All right, Nick, it's time to talk about Nick Williams, passing or playing? I'm playing Nick Williams. Uh I think the Bears still need some good rotation pieces. Like we said earlier, he had a strong first half, and then it kind of trickled down, as expected, with no Akeem Hicks there. But I like Nick Williams, just the potential. He kind of comes out in this, what, fifth season that he's been in the NFL or however many uh, years now. But I like what he's capable of, and I think the Bears will bring him back. So play. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I mean, he had a really strong first half of the year. Again, it tapered off a little bit, but he should be pretty cheap. Not going to be a huge market. You're not going to have teams banging down the door of Nick Williams to you know come down to Tennessee or whatever team you want to throw in there. Uh, so for me, Nick Williams, I'd play as well. Uh, even if you just bring him to camp and then you end up finding someone better, that's in a that's a good position to be in. At least you know uh, that you're better instead of wondering or potentially downgrading at the depth position as well. Uh, up next, I have KPL Kevin Pierre Lewis, inside linebacker. Again, came out really strong last year. I'm playing KPL. I think out of the three linebackers that are up, I think he can come in the cheapest. Again, he was uh, really effective uh, in terms of generating pressure. He was uh, one of the fastest guys in the field. I love the heart, the intensity, the tenacity that Kevin Pierre Lewis is playing with. Don't think he would 
I mean, I think he could be a capable starter, but I think he'd be your third guy on this roster if you do it correctly. So I think that would be a very strong inside linebacker three. So I would play Kevin Pierre-Lewis. How about you? Yeah, same here. He was productive when he was asked to start uh, for the Bears, and I think you could get him on a cheap deal. He's he's a veteran guy. He's been playing now going into, I believe, his seventh season. So he's a guy that's been around, and I think he does like this this Bears, te- this Bears team, this Bears defense, and I think you could just get him on a, a cheap deal that works for both parties there. What about Brent Urban? Again, someone that they kind of brought in about a quarter way through last season. Uh, he had limited snaps, um, but I thought with those limited snaps, he showed some value, some ability to at least be productive. So I would personally play, and the playing is going to have a little asterisk next to it, saying at least bring him back to camp and, again, see what happens. But I think he would be someone that earned the right to at least come back to Bears camp to see what he can do. Yeah, that's exactly what I had in my notes here, Will. Just somebody that you have to see what you can, uh, at least at least in training camp, to see what he can do. Because, like you said, when he played, you saw, what, number 92 out there kind of making some plays on, on the football field. But you never know if you who are, who's, if some player is going to stand out at Hallis Hall there come, uh, you know, in these couple of months. But, yeah, I'd play him as well. All right, we have a safety next. We have DeAndre Houston Carson. Uh, former sixth-round pick, uh, his rookie year has ex- well, rookie contract has expired. Uh, he's been a special teamer throughout the majority, or actually, sorry, the entirety of his career. Uh, does does he deserve enough to come back uh, as a special teams role? Maybe he's someone that you sign instead of a Sherrick McManus because I know he's kind of, I think Houston Carson's played on over fifty percent or more of special team snaps, so I think he's growing in that role. So it's a possibility, but I'm really. I'm indifferent when it comes to DHC. I can see him walk. I'd be okay. If he came back, I'd be fine. So really, I put play uh, for special teams purposes. He'd be cheap. But honestly, at the end of the day, I'll be honest and say I'm indifferent. I'm actually going to pass on DeAndre Houston Carson. I wonder if a guy like Steven Denmark kind of takes that role. Being on a rookie contract, yeah. too, it's a, it's a lot cheaper. It, well, not like DeAndre Houston Carson was making a lot of money, right, with where he was drafted and now his rookie contract uh, expiring. But I'm wondering now if that's kind of the role that Steven Denmark would, would kind of take on special teams. And if he does maybe transition to that safety position, Maybe that's his fit. So I am going to pass on DeAndre Houston Carson. I know Brandon loved him from William and Mary, right? I believe mm-hmm. that's where, yeah. So Eddie blocked a lot of kicks there, blocked a lot of field goals. So, um, yeah, I think his time is up, though. I'll have to pass on him. And I think I'll quote Brandon saying he needs to be more of a William and less of a Mary. I think that's a quote <laughs> yeah. I remember from a former podcast as well. Uh, so good old throwback to B. Uh, but up next, we have another Nick. Uh, very important, Nick. Uh, maybe an expensive Nick. Uh, not you. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski. Pass or play? I'm playing Nick. I'm playing Nick Kwiatkowski, and this is why um, ultimately I thought Danny Trevathan wouldn't be back. I think the Bears kind of saw what Nick Kwiatkowski could do, and you pair that alongside a Roquan Smith. There, that's a productive line, inside linebacking core. I know he, Nick Kwiatkowski has his limitations, but he has gotten better. And you can still win with him on the field and not – you can play to his strengths. I think when it comes to blitzing, you're going to see Nick Kukowski doing a lot of that and also Roquan Smith. But just seeing what he did last season in the starting role, he's the one calling out the plays and setting up the defense. That's a lot of responsibility for you know a guy like him. But he did it well, and it didn't seem like that defense was in 
you know, out of position at times. But it's going to be uh, obviously a, a bigger contract now. His rookie contract is expired or has expired. So the Bears got to work it out with the cap. But I think they bring Kukowski back. I could see, I could completely see him playing in a Green Bay uniform. If they not. need inside linebacker. Yeah, if the Bears don't bring him back, he will be playing for Green Bay. I could just see it. But I think this would be a smart move for the Bears. They get younger. They get a guy that has been healthy and has been productive when he's been asked to play, and he's just gotten better. So I'm playing Nick Kukowski. Now, do you have a like a cap where like if he's asking over a certain amount per year, you say no? Uh, just keep in mind, Danny Trevathan uh, has been at $7 million per year throughout his time in Chicago. Just use that as a benchmark. I don't know if he. I don't know if Nick Wachowski gets to that level. Same. Um, just, I was just asking, like, if he was like, "Hey, I'm I'm signing for seven, or I'm walking." Would you sign him? Oh, see now, now we're getting the murky because waters. Um, what, what I get real nervous about is when you're looking at uh, Spot Track and looking at the contracts from last season, and uh, they have a tool that uh, shows value, and it's how much they got paid versus their actual production. Nick Wojcikowski was number one in terms of the value for the entire NFL next year. So you better believe his agents using that. And secondly, uh, it was like, like the value is at like 99 point some odd percent. And the next guy was at like 90%. So it was up there by a ton. Like he was in the top 1% of contracts versus production in terms of value to a team. So you better believe he's going to be trying to at least recoup a little bit of that money. Yeah, and he, as he should. I mean, being playing on his rookie contract and having the production that he have, I think every player should try to and want to get the most money out of their playing career because it's not a long one for football players. So if Nick Krakowski wants to go and earn as much money as possible, go right ahead because that's how you should do it. But, well, actually, I don't know anymore, but I'm still playing <laughs> Nick Krakowski. <laughs> All right, still playing. I'm playing too. Like I said, uh, it'd be interesting if he asked for more than like six or so million a year. If the Bears would make it work again, uh, they have a couple of cuts that they can do to maybe save some of that money to invest in a Nick Kwiatkowski. Uh, but yeah, as of what I saw out of Nick on the field, I would. And of course, he's been on the podcast before, so maybe I'm a little biased. But I definitely play Nick Kwiatkowski as well. All right, we got three more to go. Uh, Dion Bush, pass for play. I'm playing Dion Bush. Uh, I again, I think we really alluded to that earlier, <laughs> so I didn't yeah. think we needed to harp on that hard. <laughs> uh, what about a Roy Robertson Harris? He's a restricted free agent, so the Bears have first rights here. Do you bring him back or not? I think you do. Um, you saw what he could do early on in the season, and he was productive, and you kind of moved him around a little bit. I think Chuck Pagano's still trying to see what's best fit for a Roy Robertson Harris. Can he, he can play a little bit inside, he can play on the edge there a little bit, stand up. In a two-point stance. So I think they play him. You don't want to just keep losing, you know, defensive linemen. But like I said earlier in the podcast, we kind of know what he is. He's a guy that will make some flash plays and just be a little inconsistent. But what are you kind of expecting out of, what, your third, fourth guy around that area? I mean, obviously you want to see a little bit more consistency. But I think what will end up coming down to Roy Robertson-Harris just takes a, you know, what would be a team-friendly deal. Because I don't know if anyone's going to be reaching out to say, oh, we need to pay Roy Robinson-Harris. So I play play him, and yeah, that's just where I kind of envision him to be. Yeah, interesting you said that. In my notes under Roy Robinson-Harris, I have it should be a very team-friendly deal. Market won't be huge for him. 
I think he just pretty much said the same words almost verbatim. Uh, so I'd play him if so. Um, however, if for some odd reason there ends up being an RRH bidding war, I'd back out and find someone else because he was the most productive defensive lineman last year in terms of generating pressures, but there was a very low bar to set at that. So got to take it with a grain of salt. Um, but I would envision them bringing them back. But even if they do, they still need to add more to that position uh, because I would love for them to bring Roy Robinson-Harris back and find someone better and then end up cutting him in camp, honestly. And, or Roy Robinson-Harris shut me up and show me uh, show me otherwise. But as of right now, I wouldn't be opposed to that whatsoever. And last and maybe least, uh, unfortunately, uh, Isaiah Irving, another restricted free agent. Um, but this is one where I'm, I have a hard pass, just like Aaron Lynch. You? Yeah, same here, Ben. The Bears for the last three years hasn't produced much, and you're just hoping that the Bears can find someone else that can produce at the position. If they can't, Ryan Pace should be fired at that point because <laughs> you can't. How can you get worse than Isaiah Irving? How could you? You can go Kylie Fitz, but at least he cut Kylie, and I think Kylie's now in Arizona, so he's soaking up the sun. True. All right, uh, we have a few more things to get to, but I'm excited to do it. Uh, we've alluded to a couple of, usually in the past we call these surprise cuts. I don't know if either of the names that we probably have listed are surprises. I think they've been in the mouths of a lot of Bears fans. Uh, but any surprise cuts that our players are that are currently under contract but it may end up getting cut this offseason to you know help the cap situation. I think there are two names that you and I both have, and we don't need to really dig into it too deeply, but you can at least go on record. Yeah, I mean, I think the ones that people are kind of looking at, and uh, do you have Leonard Floyd and also Prince as the two guys there, Will? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, we're on the same page. Yeah, so I think that for Leonard Floyd, I literally have a pass and slash play on this on how the Bears can really approach this because at thirteen point two two million, you want a productive pass rusher. That's not Leonard Floyd. But then again, you mentioned a really good point earlier. If you could have about three good guys in a rotation and extend Leonard Floyd's contract and then you draft somebody, then you feel pretty good about the pass rushes that are coming at opposing quarterbacks. But I can also see if the Bears, they want to save a bunch of cap, you can use that cap to go get another uh, pass rusher or add just other players. I'm totally fine with it. The same goes for Prince. You save $8 million if you don't re-sign him. You could see what you have having a Trey Roberson or a Kevin Tolliver but I'm not as confident in those two guys yet just because I haven't seen enough on the football field. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. More so, I'd be more so surprised if Leonard Floyd's not back as opposed to a Prince. But I think the Bears need both of them. That's just my opinion on the matter at right now at this point. But, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't be too surprised. I can only see Leonard Floyd if they, you know, rescind that fifth-year option and you work out a three- to four-year deal where – Instead of $13 million a year, maybe it's 7 maybe it's 8 I think 8 to 9 would be my max, maybe. Even then, I'm still like, can we move on? Can we find someone else? So iffy on that. Um, but in terms of Prince Mukamara, I see him leaving. Uh, he's set to make, I think, $10 million this year against the cap. And, you know, haha, he just got that big deal. But it's a little team-friendly for that first year. Only $3 million. Uh, haha, sorry. Eddie Jackson, wrong safety. Uh, he's set to only make $3 million this year against the cap. So Prince of Mukamara, I don't think he's worth $7 million more than an Eddie Jackson on this defense. So I think you can find someone else for around $7 million, $8 million a year uh, in free agency if you wanted to, or even an early pick in this draft. 
that can probably be an improvement over Prince of Mukamara or at least give you the same quality of play for less money. And either way is a win for the Bears. Yeah, I, I, just real quick, Kevin Fishbane actually came out with an article about the cap stuff. And in that, they proposed some like contracts that here's how the Bears can maybe work it out that where it's a little bit more cap friendly. The proposed contract for Leonard Floyd in this article is four years, forty-seven point three five million. So it's a big number. It sounds like a bad, you know, bad number that the Bears wouldn't do. Eighteen point five million is guaranteed, but really, what it comes down to, it will take down the cap about four point six million this year, and it's more so constructed to be like a two-year contract, and it again the cap for this upcoming season is a little bit down, and Prince comes out to about two years. 15.2 million, 5.5 is guaranteed. So a little bit more team friendly, and you got to see are one are the players even willing to do something like this? Um, more so, that's on Prince's contract. But all speculation, we don't know what's going to end up happening with those guys. But you know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and the Bears are really thinking about those two guys. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Nick, I know we're running a little long, and I know this show is expected to record last week. Do you still have lessons that you learned from either Super Bowl team that you wanted to pass forward this week on the show? I think with it still being relatively soon thereafter the Super Bowl, the parade was just yesterday. I think it's still kind of fair game to use this as a segment. And again, it doesn't need to be defensive lessons. You can use either side of the ball here. But did you have anything you wanted to still pass along? Um, I think like the big thing when playing the Chiefs, every opportunity that you get to make a touchdown happen, you have to take it. At the end of the half, when you know Shanahan decides to go a little, a little bit conservative, and he talked about in the press conference, "Hey, we didn't want to get Patrick Mahomes the ball." Valid, valid um reason there, but it just seems like you need to take every any opportunity you have the ball. You got to see if you can go score with it because Patrick Mahomes is going to put put up way too many points. And then also just kind of looking at you can win or, well, I think with a good running game and just doing a little bit more of the creativeness, just having, you know, your wide receivers on the ball like Debo Samuel did for the 49ers. That's a good recipe to, you know, maybe the Bears should look to implement a little bit more because their running game was abysmal last season. A lot of factors going into that, but I want to see the Bears get a little bit more into just coming up with different ways to get their playmakers to football. Give Anthony Miller a couple of runs like that. You know, obviously he hurts his shoulder though, so maybe that might not be the best True. option. But um, I think that's a good way of just, you know, mixing things up, getting your playmakers involved, and just keeping a defense off balance. Yeah, those are really good ones. Uh, the two that I have is, number one, you need a tight end, and you need a really damn good one. I mean, look at Travis Kelsey. He led the Chief in scrimmage yards this year. George Kittle, he did the same exact thing for the 49ers. And I'm not saying your tight end needs to be your number one producer in order to you know reach the Super Bowl or have a deep playoff run, but by golly, does that help your chances because you need someone who can attack and challenge linebackers, beat those safeties with the bigger bodies, and just that big body threat in the middle of the field, that security blanket. You just need a guy like that, and the Bears didn't have it last season, and I think that's really uh, one of the reasons why the offense kind of held itself back. And then on the other side of the ball, it's an easy one, uh, pass rush. Uh, we saw both quarterbacks struggle from time to time when the other defense had the ability to generate a pass rush. Uh, just some fun facts here, uh, Garoppolo's pass rating, when pressured in the Super Bowl, was a 0.0. Patrick Mahomes is a 41.7. Uh, so in the game's biggest stage, 
the pass rush from either defense, at least combined, did combine to force three interceptions. So again, pass rush and tight ends, which I think were two key areas that the Bears really struggled in last year. So finding a way to sure those up will go a long way towards getting the Bears back into the playoffs, uh, at least if you're looking at these two Super Bowl teams. All right. I had one final surprise question. I didn't expect us to go this long, Nick. And if you don't have an answer, just say no, and we can move forward and end the show. But do you have any early free agents on defense that you're interested in now? Nope. Okay. Fair. <laughs> I, I don't either. Usually we wait a little bit longer to get to those. So I just wanted to give you a space just in case you're doing your homework early. But it seems Eric like Barry. Eric Barry. I have... At least my short list of my research of a one hour was Dante Fowler. Uh, if you can work out of Leonard Floyd, and then you can maybe spend some money over there. And another edge guy, Matthew Judon uh, from the Ravens. He has like 30 sacks over the last four years. I did hear that the Baltimore will probably use a tag on him, so it doesn't even matter, I suppose. But he's a guy that would be nice to see uh, opposite of Cleo Mack, at least in my opinion. But that's where I'm at. Still early. Uh, we take We like to take these things. Uh, not slow, but deliberate and thorough throughout the offseason here at the Chicago Audible. And I think by the almost hour and a half we've been discussing just this Bears defense, I think you can tell we try to do our due diligence. Nick, any final thoughts on the Bears defense, today's podcast, DePaul University, work? Um, yeah, the, no, I mean, it was good to talk football again, even though the season just ended last Sunday. We're, we're back into talking Bears football. Everyone wants, you know, our fans want to hear it. We want to talk about it. But, yeah, I'm just glad to be back on really the grind. There's no offseason when it comes to the NFL when you really think about it. And it's kind of exciting, but also, you know, time-consuming. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely is time-consuming. But I love it. It's a lot of fun. We've been doing it. This We're now entering season. Is this season five? Uh, 25, uh, let's see, 2015? Yeah, fifth season. I should know. But time just goes by way too fast. So this is exciting stuff. Uh, so, yeah, this is uh, – I'm trying to think of anything else I wanted to say in the podcast, going through my mental notes. I think we should thank everyone for listening to Chicago Audible. That's always important. <laughs> so everyone here in the live chat, uh, as Nick already – I think you threw in a comment in there make sure everyone was participating in Pass or Play. Saw all those roll in. Thank you so much. Uh, so anyone listening on uh, Facebook, uh, Periscope, uh, thank you as well. And, of course, uh, for anyone listening to the show after the fact, whether it's on the podcast, whether it's on the video stream, I just want to thank each and every one of you. Again, we wouldn't be here if not for our listeners, and each and every one of you matters to us. And like Nick said, uh, just even getting a message or two uh, from a listener, you know, just even inquiring, like, hey, I thought there may have been a show this week. Did I miss it? It really goes a long way of uh, giving us some validation that, you know, what we do is worth it. So we do really do, like I said, we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, we don't take uh, any one of you for granted. So next week, we're going to do the same exact thing, but it's going to be about the Chicago Bears offense, which I'm assuming those confidence levels, even though they were a little up and down today, will probably be a little bit more down next week. But until then, have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. But until then, bear down, Chicago. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, 
The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 